episode 221 of the Pilot the Pilot podcast takes off now. Fly with Garmin Avionics, then grab your mobile device and make the Garmin Pilot app your cockpit companion. Get advanced functions you'll use before, during, and after every flight, including updating your aircraft's databases and logging engine data, plan, file, fly, log with Garmin Pilot. Pilot to Pilot is brought to you by The Finer Points. These guys are constantly adding content to the Ground School app. Check it out at learnthefinerpoints.com. AV Nation, what is going on? And welcome back to the Pilot to Pilot podcast. Today, we are live from Louisville, Kentucky. Well, not technically live. Got to correct that. I am recording it live right now. You are listening to it recorded. Maybe one day we'll do a live podcast, but today is not the day. Anyways, I digress already. Two minutes in, I'm already digressing. This is going to be a fun episode. <laughs> uh, we are in Louisville, Kentucky for the Derby. We flew passengers here. I actually have a pretty good overnight here. I uh, can't go to the Derby. One, it's expensive. Two, I have no clothes. And three, I'm lazy. <laughs> More that one than anything else. We are doing an Ask Me Anything podcast where I put a question up on my Instagram. Ask me something for the podcast. You can ask me anything you want, personal, whatever. That's my work phone going off. But you can ask me whatever you would like to ask. And uh, I posted that question earlier today and we have some answers. So we are going to get right into it. All right. So let's get right into it. The first question. The first question is from my buddy, Mickey. Now, we've never met, but Mickey sounds like a sweet dude. Uh, you might know him from Flight Chops videos, flying a diamond. I think it was a DA-62 over the Atlantic and delivering it to Canada. But Mickey works for Diamond. I would love to get him on the podcast sometime. But he asked, Diamond or Cirrus? Mickey, I'm not going to lie to you. If you would ask me this question five years ago, I would have said Cirrus. And I love the SR-22. I would buy an SR-22 if I had a million dollars and 25000 however much it is. But I don't. I would also buy the new Diamond DA-50RG. I don't know. It's a lot of letters, a lot of words, a lot of numbers. But I would. That plane looks unbelievable if you're ever in North Carolina. And I know that there's some Diamond dealer in North Carolina. But if you get me in that plane, and I will answer that question, Diamond, 100% of the time, every single time. The next question says, what do you do when you need to build time but not CFI? Um, I 1000% recommend you go work for your CFI while you are finding other jobs. Do not just look for jobs without building toward your CFI because that can be your fallback. Not everyone is going to have the opportunity to get a job outside of being a CFI. It's just the way it is. Maybe you don't have the connections. Maybe you just aren't interviewing well for those people, or maybe they're wanting more hours than what you have. So you might actually have to become a CFI to get to where you want to go. So work toward your CFI. Companies and anyone doesn't really like stagnation of you not continuing to get better, whether it's with ratings, whether it's with anything. And if they see you not have anything or even flying, then maybe they won't be looking at you. So work toward your CFI. I know you don't want to be a CFI, but sometimes you just have to do it. And I know I was lucky enough to not be able to do it, but I was still working toward my CFI. And I think I left about a quarter of the way through. I just got my spit endorsement and I got my job and I was out. But definitely work toward your CFI. Uh, someone said, what are the big differences between USA and EU? There is not enough time, nor do I know enough about that subject in the world to talk about that. But I've interviewed multiple European um, pilots, and they have talked about it in depth. You can look at Mentor Pilot, Captain Joe, Pilot Maria. Uh, there's been a couple others, but go look at those episodes. And I believe the Pilot Maria one, we go into pretty good depth about 
what was different. So go listen to that one. Listen to Captain Joe or Mentor Pilot. Ah, I love this question. I, I, every time I don't ask me anything, I get a question like this. Is the Piaggio really the ugliest aircraft? Have you seen the Transavia PL-12 air truck? Yes, and the Piaggio is the ugliest aircraft. I don't care if there is technically one uglier, and my answer will always be the Piaggio because it's my thing now. I feel like people know me as that, and I am forced to answer that question forever. Will I ever like the Piaggio? No. Would I fly one? Probably, but I would not do it enjoyingly. <laughs> I would do it begrudgingly, however you say that word. But uh, yeah, I do not like the Piaggio, man. The canards, I don't know it's something about it. Uh, everyone asks me. It's probably the most popular DM I get. Hey, is this the new ugliest airplane? All I say is no, no explanation whatsoever. You know my answer. It's a, I almost said the PC-12. It's the Piaggio, hands down, every single time. The only other plane that I really think is possibly the ugliest airplane of all time is the Shorts. The Shorts is a terrible looking airplane and it doesn't help that no one has taken good care of them and they all are flying terrible routes. And every time I hear one flying, I feel like I hear them declaring an emergency. That may or not may, that may or, that may or may not be true, but I have heard that more than one time when I've heard of shorts flying. How does a CG work in an airplane when they drop water to fight the fire? Once again, I'm not an expert on that, but go listen to the actual episodes that I have done. I have interviewed two people. I've interviewed Cal Fire, and I've also interviewed um, my buddy, who my buddy Chris from Charlotte. He is flying seeds planes right now, seats planes. So we talk about that as well. Favorite part of my job? Um, that's actually a really good question. My favorite part has to be the variety of flying we do. We do so much flying. You actually get to fly the airplane. You can fly it as much as you want. And you're going to be doing a lot of fun approaches. You, we don't just go JFK to Syracuse to JFK to Albany to JFK or Charlotte to Dulles to this to that to that. Um, we're flying, I flew from Twin Falls to Key West, Key West to Naples, Naples to some random airport in Wisconsin that I'd never heard of before. And then we went to Waukegan and then we went to St. Louis. We go to Vegas. Like we go literally everywhere and it's just a lot of fun. It can be stressful sometimes because the weather conditions can be bad, but the plane, especially the latitude and pretty much every private jet that's been built in the last 20 years is very, very capable aircraft. So as long as you have the training department to go through it, the company says it's okay. The plane says we can do it. We can do it. And it's pretty incredible what these planes can do. What's some advice for someone who wants to work at your company? That's kind of a hard question to answer when I don't know what level you're at. Like, are you a, are you a private pilot? Are you a commercial pilot? Are you, do you have 1,500 hours? My answer is, for all, I guess if I generalize it all, one, if you have the time, apply. They are on a hiring binge right now. I've been here for five years. If you're hired today, by the end of the year, you will have more people underneath you than I had for my first four years at this company. So if you have the time, get here as soon as you can. Uh, fractional aviation, I truly think it has the potential to be the best job in aviation. So go for it and, and Get here as soon as you can. Get that time. Multi-time is huge here. You need about 250 hours. So you have to get tons of multi-time. So if you're listening to this and you're CFI, you don't you have 15 hours of multi-time, figure it out. You you have to do what you have to do. You know, you have to make friends with people with a multi. Go fly aerial survey if you can, or try to just multi-train every single pilot you can find. Uh, if you're a private, like I said, find a way to put yourself in a position to get your ratings as fast as possible. And then find yourself a way to get multi-time. Some people are actually going to regionals to get the multi-time to then come here. Uh, it might not be the majority of pilots, but 
it is definitely an option that you can do. And I know multi-time can be really, really tough to come by. I understand that. I didn't have the money to go buy a multi-engine plane, to rent a multi-engine plane, to get 250 hours. I was just able to fly on them with the aerial survey. So if, if the route you have to go is maybe wheels up or maybe going over to a regional to build your multi-time and then get the time to come here, highly recommend it. And that answers this question too. What's the best route for fractional for someone who's 63 hour private pilot? Get your ratings as fast as possible. Get your multi-time and apply. Um, and be a good person. You know, that's the main thing that they look for. They want to make sure that you have a personality where it's not too overbearing, but one that you don't want to kill someone on the road and one that they know that you, they can trust with the owners in the back of the airplane. Next question. What other aircraft in your company would you want to fly? I would fly... I don't want to say that I wouldn't fly one because if there is the opportunity for me to upgrade, I might be put in that airplane or that range of airplanes. But I would love to keep flying any airplane with a Garmin Avionics. Uh, it's really only my only true FMS that I've ever flown. And I don't want to go backwards. You know, I like technology. I like screens. I don't want to go uh, to ProLine. Uh, I don't know all the iterations. So there might be a really nice ProLine. I'm really just in the Garmin world and just live in Garmin all through and through. So uh, Garmin all the way. Uh, I would love to fly the Global one day. If we ever got Falcons, I'd love to fly a Falcon. The Longitude would be an awesome plane. I'm in the range right now where it doesn't necessarily make sense for me to move to another airplane because I could upgrade hopefully in the next two-ish years. And every time you change planes, every time you get a type rating, you incur a 36-month seat lock. So I wouldn't... Now that seat lock doesn't keep you from going to captain, but it adds on to the seat lock you have. So let's say I go to the longitude next year and I upgrade a year after that. So I'm in the longitude for one total year. That means I have two and a half years left on my seat lock for that. If I then upgrade to the phenom, that two and a half years gets added to my three and a half years. So now I am looking at six years in the phenom and i don't think i could do that to be honest with you so I'm, I'm a little hesitant and i also don't know if i want to go to the global right now i think it'd be awesome but i would actually take a pay cut going to the global because the latitude and the 350 are the two most flying airplanes that we have and uh, with our flight duty pay how it works i would make more money in the latitude than i would by going to the global would it be cool to go to the global absolutely i would love to be an fo and fly all over the world and see some cool stuff. But I just don't know if it makes sense for my life right now. So that's where I'm standing on that. Not a question, but I'm taking my discovery flight in a few hours. Your podcast gave me the push I needed. Chris, let's see here. Christoph Spy K. Everyone go follow him and say congratulations. I hope to see you continue to fly. Uh, it's a lot of fun, man. I hope you are ready for the addiction that you are getting yourself into. What is the one plane you have wanted to fly and haven't gotten the opportunity to? Um, there's a ton of planes. I would love to fly a lot of uh, small piston GA planes, but I think one plane that I know I will never be able to fly just because I'm not going to go the airline route. I would love to fly the 787. It's the one plane I see taxing in San Francisco, taxing at whatever big airport I go to. And I'm just like, dang, I would love to fly that plane. I think it'd be really cool. Uh, so the 787 would kind of be the answer to that. Do I know any sponsor programs to work in the States? I do not. Unfortunately, I'm sorry about that. What does your career progression look like at your fractional? Planes to go to, routes to fly. Um, fractional, you're never going to know your routes to fly. I think I've said this enough times to not keep saying it, but you literally have no idea where you're going to go. I'm in Louisville right now. My plan tomorrow is to go from Louisville 
over to Charlotte, Charlotte back to Louisville, and then we're supposed to go to John Wayne. I could wake up and that could be Bermuda. That could be Canada. That could be Mexico. That could be literally anywhere that I can do in 14 hours of duty and 10 hours of flying. So can't answer the route part. It's just complete chaos and could be anywhere. Planes to go to. Uh, we have a Phenom. We have an Excel. I want to say A, we have multiple. We have Phenoms, Excels, Sovereigns, Latitudes, 350s, 650s, Globals, Gulfstreams, and did I miss one? Longitudes. Um, Phenom 300Es we're getting. So we have quite a few aircraft to choose from. And uh, my previous answer probably helped out. Interview Mark Fly. Cool. I will look him up. Let's take a break from today's episode to hear from our sponsor, RAA. Did you know there are three action steps you can take to protect yourself in a volatile market? Volatility in the market can make the best investor a little nervous and take actions that they know they normally wouldn't. It can be stressful and you may be thinking, shouldn't I be doing something though? Well, the answer is yes. The first and maybe the most important action you can take, resist the urge to make decisions based on the recent market movements alone. This is very tough, but it will pay off in the long run. Next, if you're feeling stressed in this market, it may be time to review your risk tolerance and your ability to take a loss in downturns. We all like to think we can take the risk up until the point where we actually see fluctuations in our portfolios. And lastly, get a second opinion on where you stand financially so you can take a longer-term view of the market in your financial plan. Don't know where to start? RAA can help. Founded by pilots for pilots and with four decades of financial planning and investment management experience, RAA is intimately familiar with the unique benefits, risks, and career timelines that pilots face. Whether you're early in your career as a pilot or you spent years flying the line, RAA is here to help you navigate your financial journey from takeoff to touchdown. For more pilot-specific planning tips, go to raa.com slash pilot to pilot. With high-resolution coast-to-coast composite radar and cloud-to-cloud, cloud-to-ground lightning updated every 2.5 minutes along with always available weather products like METARs, ECOTOPS, and StormTracks, Sirius XM lets you fly confidently knowing that your weather information is available at 500 feet or at your destination 500 miles ahead. Check out aopa.org forward slash Sirius XM to get a two-month free trial to try these products out for yourself. And now back to today's episode. Pros and cons of fractional aviation. Fractional, as I said, I think has the potential to be the best job in the industry. Uh, pay, everything, I think it might get there. There's a really good chance. Uh, it's going to battle the majors eventually. So get here as soon as you can. Um, pros and cons. Pros, love the flying. Pay is good. Cons, you're gone for seven days at a time. Pro, you are home for seven days at a time. Pro, you get your fur. I'll have three weeks of vacation, which turns into three 21-day vacations at the end of my fifth year. Once I go to 10 years, I will have four 21-day vacations, and you could use seven days of PTO to turn that into a fifth day, fifth vacation. So you have up to five vacations, which is crazy, and five 21-day off periods when you work a seven and seven. Uh, it's I think that's unbeatable. Now, you don't have the flexibility to choose your schedule month to month. Uh, you know your schedule in advance. So I know my seven and seven line for the whole entire year. I know if I have Christmas off. So that is really nice as well and, and makes great for planning. Um, right now, the pay is not up to par based on how much you work with the majors. But I'm hoping that will change in the next couple of years. Who knows if it will? Don't listen to me on that part. But it's definitely livable and it's definitely good money. You can make really good money here right now. The only main problem is you have to work very hard for it and you have to make extended days but it's just how it is right now and the flying is absolutely incredible and fractional aviation is just growing and growing and growing do you think exper- 
Do you think experimental is the only future that GA has? Nope, I do not. I think that there is still a strong future for GA. Is it getting smaller? Yes. Is it going to contract a little bit? Possibly. Uh, the fuel issue right now that we're seeing where we're going to take the low lead out, that's going to put some pressure on it. Insurance claims put pressure on it. The Trent Palmer case, which someone asked a question about that, is going to put pressure on it. But I do think there's always going to be some sort of GA that is not just experimental. Now, will it be affordable? No. Is experimental affordable? Not really. Not everyone can just go buy a van's aircraft and go build it for 120 hours or 1,000 hours, whatever it is. So uh, no matter what, aviation is always going to be expensive. Ooh, this is an interesting question. It's who's your hero? I don't necessarily know like if I have a set hero. Like, I mean, I look up to my dad. I look up to people but I don't necessarily think I have like a hero per se. Like I don't have one person that's just like the end all be all, um, that kind of thing. But I, I respect a lot of people and that's how it was with me in football too. Like I never looked up or thought uh, Peyton Manning was never my hero. Tom Brady was never my hero. I just had respect for them. I thought it was really cool what they did, but I never considered them my hero to me. I don't really know how I would define a hero because I just think when I think I think superhero, I don't think of like an actual living person, you know? So uh, I don't know if I could answer that question right now. I'd have to think about that one. From 135 to 121, do you know anyone that has followed this path? What was their experience? There has been a multitude of bunch of people that have gone from 135 to 121. Pilot Maggie was more recently... Uh, on my podcast, she was flying fractional. I was flying for a major airline. So listen to the podcast and you will definitely find some of those. And it is very possible to do and it happens more often than you think. Ever thought of interviewing student pilots? Um, not particularly. I've had that question asked a few times, but everyone has been a student pilot. They can talk about their how they have thought as a student pilot. Build some time, get some experience. And then I'm more, I don't want to say more interested, but it's more likely to come on the podcast just because there's more range of the story. It's not just going to be about a student pilot because everyone has been a student pilot and you can learn from those experiences. So keep going, keep grinding and, and make it happen. How did you decide to fly corporate private versus commercial? Um, I always wanted to be a, an airline pilot once I started flying. And then once I was getting involved in flying and once I saw the general aviation side, I just kept falling in love with it. And every job I had pushed me closer and closer to the... Um, the general aviation side and kind of pushed my dream away from flying a 787 for United to flying uh, a latitude for the company I'm at now. Do you have a choice when it comes to upgrading? It's all based on seniority. So I could bypass it, but it'd be kind of dumb. Um, I would, I would love to upgrade. Here's the second question is, do you plan on upgrading at the earliest or when it's available at your base? The company I work at now, it doesn't matter where you live. You can upgrade anywhere and live anywhere. So once your seniority allows you to upgrade, it doesn't matter where, where you live. You can We have, I think, over 100 bases that you can choose to live from. You can live in Durango, Colorado, fly a Phenom, or you can live in Charlotte, North Carolina and fly a Phenom. It doesn't matter where you live. They will fly you to the airplane. Have you ever had to fill out an ASAP at your current company? If so, what did you learn from it? Um, yeah, I've, would have to imagine every pilot has fed on ASAP at some point in their life. If you haven't, then you probably need to because ASAPs are there to protect you. It's, it's there to learn. Um, and I can't think of one off the top of my head. It's never been like a glaring issue. Like ASAPs are, uh, ASAPs happen probably more often than you think in the professional aviation world. I haven't had to fill out too many of them, but, um, a lot of them can just be miscommunication. It can be a lot of things. Uh, it, 
can't really think of a one right now where I just flat out know I learned a ton from. Should I go to your company or the airlines? You should go to my company. That was an easy question. Has the routine of zigzagging across the country gotten old for you? No, I love it. I love the variety. Uh, I love going from JFK to Twin Falls to <laughs> Key West to to the Bahamas to Mexico. Like it's a lot of fun. Does my company have military pilots who are still in the reserves or Air National Guard? We do. Uh, they do allow you to be in that. I don't know too much on it since I'm not in it, but it's definitely a possibility. And they would not discriminate you for being in the military, and they'd let you do your time. Is your job everything you thought it would be when you first started flight training? That's a solid question. I would have to say yes. I didn't know what I thought it was going to be because I thought about being an airline pilot. I think the one thing that surprised me is how sometimes it can feel like a job. It's not always fun. Sometimes you don't want to fly through the icing or or bad weather or turbulence. And just being gone sucks. You know, like when when you're building your hours, you're just looking for... You're so looking forward to to flying that airplane, to being in the in the air and doing your job and just getting hours. You don't really think about how much it sucks being gone. And being gone is the worst, especially when you start having kids. Uh, I'd say that's the hardest part, but the actual flying part of it, I think it's everything I thought it would be. And it's a great career. Highly recommend for anyone to get involved with doing it. Um, what's the cool Cessna tour? You ask hard questions. This I, I I remember reading this earlier. And I was like, I need to think about this. But what's the coolest, least known technical aspect of the latitude? That's a great question. I would probably say that not many people know how long the wingspan of the latitude is. The wingspan on the latitude is the second longest in our fleet, and it is 73 feet. So that is a very, very long aircraft, uh, long wingspan for an aircraft, and it allows us to a, a lot of short field landings. It also allows us to get in ground effect and float forever. So you got to be really careful. You got to be on your A game. Uh, it's, uh, it's a very long wing though. And we have had a lot of line guys try to park us to way too close to other airplanes. A lot of scholarship questions. I do not know much about scholarships other than the check out AOPA. I know, um, I think Carl Valeri has a podcast and has a, a document all about scholarships. So definitely go check all that out and just apply for every single one. What was the typical question you got asked for your first job interview? Tell me about a time. That's every, every question is situational based. So tell me about a time at your last job where you had to face adversity. Tell me about a time where you had to do this. Uh, any kind of tell me about a time. Anytime you go for a job interview in aviation, I highly recommend going to Google uh, and typing in any kind of job interview prep and figure that out because they can tell when you put the time in and sometimes that's all they need to see. If you can just interview well, you will get the job. You'd be amazed at how many people just are not good at interviewing and don't put the time in to prepare. And if they can see you prepare, they know that you're going to prepare for the check ride. They know that you're going to prepare for your flights and that you're, that you're going to prepare for your customers. So highly recommend that. What plane are you going to go to after the latitude? Right now, it's the latitude um, for the foreseeable future. Um, I would love to upgrade in the latitude, and I would stay here for as long as the latitude's here, to be honest with you. I am not about taking check rides or chasing type ratings. I could care less. I mean, I would love to fly other planes, but I'm not necessarily in a hurry to go to another month-long course and take a check ride. So latitude all the way. Please, I need tips on studying for private pilot check ride and test. Check out. Learn the finer points and make sure you download his ground school app. He is 
probably the best flight instructor that I've ever seen. Chris Palmer is also a great one, and we're really good friends. But check out Learn the Finer Points. He has the best material that you could ever find. If you're studying for an instrument, written or any kind of written, you want to do Shepard Air. And if you are studying, I also did YouTube. I Googled and I went on YouTube and I just watched videos of check rides and just paused after the question, answer the question, and then carried on. So I treated that like a check ride. All right. The question that I've been avoiding, not really avoiding, but I knew I was going to answer last is what is your opinion on the FAA's stance regarding Trent Palmer's go around and proper ADM? Um, this is an interesting subject. I, I didn't watch all of Trent's video, so I, I don't know all the facts. I know that I do think the FAA is in a very weird spot with them ruling this. And I feel like it's an emotional one and they, they don't like something either Trent's doing or the backcountry flying is doing at, as a whole. I, I think that Trent has has the viewership, and I think that Trent has the ability for the FAA to make an example. I don't know if they actually are making an example out of him. Maybe it's just someone up there just saying, hey, this is the case that we want to do. I don't know. It's uh, essentially just at Trent, but I think that they are definitely trying to send a tone to everyone that they are going to tighten up and that they are are looking at at coming after pilots and that would be really unfortunate because we have had a pretty good pretty good run of them not having that attitude and i don't know if it's the red bull thing i don't know if it's the trevor jacob thing and they just think that things have gotten too far and they need to start laying their their the hammer down essentially but it's just really a weird case for them to kind of lay the stick the hammer down and, and really go after trent because he is following from what I did see of the video, and I haven't seen the release video, I don't have any insider information at all. I've never talked to Trent. Um, I've asked him to come on the podcast, and he has not. So that's all I know about Trent. But I don't understand how they can come after him when he followed everything that they've ever laid out to do. Like, what do they expect him to do? He flies over a field. If he doesn't think it's suitable to land, then how is that wrong? That's that's a safe ADM, right? Like that's safe decision making. And I don't, I just feel like it's setting a weird precedent and it's going against something that they have written and publicized and had publications about. Now, I don't want the FAA coming after me. So I literally have no idea what they're thinking or anything like that. If they want to come on and talk about their stance, by all means, please do. I'd love to get a better understanding and, and would give you a fair shot to talk about this case. Same thing with Trent. But I just think it's very weird that there is a published document on how to go about off field landings. And I think from what Trent has said, he has followed it word by word. So once again, I haven't seen the video and uh, I understand that it sounds like it's a, a pretty unfortunate case. And I do hope Trent wins uh, because it does set a huge precedence for what's going to happen from here on out, especially for, for backcountry flying, for the freedom of flying. And I hope it's not going to be the next 10, 15 years of the FAA coming really hard on, on YouTube pilots or backcountry pilots or just people out flying. Now, there's certain people that they do need to come down hard on. Probably. There's a lot of people doing stupid stuff in airplanes, but I don't know if Trent is the person that they should be coming down on. Because like I said, I think he followed, from my from my knowledge, he was doing everything that he should. Now, look, we'll find out as the, as the case proceeds. But like I said, if either one of them want to come on the podcast and talk about it, by all means, they are all welcome to it. Aviation, that is it. One, I think I'm losing my my voice from answering all these questions. There were some more questions. I'm sorry I didn't get to those. I will do another Ask Me Anything probably in a month or two. Uh, our life is crazy right now. We actually, I said in the last podcast, we did find a house in North Carolina. 
Uh, we are moving in the next couple of weeks, so it's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of cool content. Uh, the podcast is just going to get a little bit more difficult to get out because I'm moving, uh, getting everything going, and then my wife is going to be starting residency, so finding the time to actually do it, it might be more of me talking to my phone with this microphone in the hotel room than actual interviews still. But uh, I'll do my best to bunch some interviews in the next couple of weeks. If you know anyone that you want to have on the podcast, uh, let me know. I, I try to check my email. I try to check my DMs, but they do get lost every once in a while. But uh, let me know, right? Give me a little quick write-up on why they should be in the podcast and what you think that they could offer. And just let me know. But Aviation, Nation, I hope you're having a great day. Check out Pilot's Coffee. Follow us on Pilot to Pilot. And as always, happy flying.